Welcome everybody to the No One Likes the Tuna podcast, the world's premier dedicated fast and furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. Uh, and Daryl, correct me if I'm wrong, I may have the details sort of not sussed, but we watch a Fast and Furious movie, one of the nine canonical Fast and Furious movies every week, and um, talk about it for half an hour to 45 to an hour. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. about it. We talk about how we suffer week to week, and we try mm-hmm. to draw out new stuff from each watch, either from the movie itself mm-hmm. or from within. Mm-hmm. Try to sort of like suck the last vestiges of entertainment or enjoyment or non-misery out of these movies, if we can. Uh, we watched <laughs> Fast and Furious from 2009 this week, uh, and we have a special guest on the pod to talk about it, Mr. Maxwell Ziskin. Maxwell Vittorio Ziskin is with Ooh. us today. Yo, guys, what's up? Good to see you again. Absolutely. Nice to see you Welcome too, back. buddy. Nice to see you too, buddy. Back on the King of Pods. How was your uh, watch through of Fast and Furious this week? I did what I don't like to do, which is watch it in two sittings. Uh-huh. I like to absorb mm-hmm. it all at once. Mm-hmm. But um, a little bit last night, a little bit this morning. It was good. I did. I actually, for the first time, did a little bit of extra research. I watched. You a, did. Uh, yeah, I watched an 18-minute video of all the reasons this guy hates the movie, <laughs> and they were like the weirdest little nitpicks. Okay. I, do you want to I, run I, us through what some of his issues were? This guy's on YouTube. We're, yeah, we're gonna have to come back to this. Okay. But, uh. All I can say is there are some people on the internet who take little continuity shit way too seriously uh-huh. and whether or not a car should blow up way too seriously. Right. Daryl, have you ever had an issue with... I don't think I've ever taken issue with like the stunt continuity or the stunt realism. Have you? Mm-hmm. Not at all. I feel like I'm in the um, sort of school of thought that the purpose of sort of making these types of action movies is to exaggerate the explosions because real car accidents. Yeah. Real, uh, yeah. The real version of these situations would not be pretty. Yeah. Real car accidents are bloody. Yeah. Or they're like boring as hell, right? Like I'm not saying that traumatic things don't happen inside the car, but sometimes like a car accident where somebody gets really hurt and is really bad and terrible looks from the outside like just like like boom. nothing yeah like and then it's over right mm-hmm. then you're dale earnhardt yeah so, and all right i can't i can't rag so, i cannot i cannot we can't rag we can't spend the pod ragging on a like dead dale or earnhardt senior you know well the same the same crash happened this year and the guy was fine it's like the technology Could dale jr no, no. Remember that guy? Uh, well, I'm not going to do a oh, great job good. of explaining it. But visually, it was the same crash as Dale. But due to all the technology they've mm-hmm. done, the guy was, he walked out of the hospital the next day. Wow. Crazy. Wow. So, so wow. this video I was referencing is titled Everything Wrong with Fast and Furious, the fourth one. And it's by this 
asshole named Cinema Sins. <laughs> and, he, and he counts out the sins a movie commits. Uh-huh. Well, I take less issue. I guess I find that less reprehensible. If the man's made a career out of it, I'm going to throw out a little respect to that, you know? Like, that's just does, a gig. He does bring in the views, 3.6 million. Holy Damn. Sense. That's about how many people saw the movie. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you're able to deduce this from this particular video or for, from this 18-minute video, but is Fast and Furious like this guy's sort of worst enemy or is it just... He, he talks a lot of shit about it in general. Yeah. I Yeah, but okay, does he talk just exclusively shit about Fast and Furious movies or is he like a movie shithead who shits looking on movies? Through it, <laughs> looking through it, he's done every single movie. Fast in and Fast and Furious or every single oh, movie in the world? Every single wide release. Oh, okay. Oh. So, like, star everything wrong with bullshit Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. That kind of thing. Exactly. All right, well. His most know. recent video is everything wrong with the BFG in 16 minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> BFG was totally unrealistic. <laughs> People um, do- don't get that big. <laughs> Daryl, did you do a split watch through this week or did you do a single sitting? I did a single sitting. Damn, bro. Mm-hmm. That's the I way to watch really, a film. I believe in the single sitting purism, right? Like, if the experience of the movie is important to the podcast as a product, I believe in the single sitting, no phone experience. That being said, I've almost exclusively shifted to a two-sitting system because right, I'm, will... I'm, in, I'm physically incapable of sitting and watching through one of these movies yeah. without so, like pausing and recuperating for a day in between. I find uh, that the way TV shows are built where there's, like a, there's an end and they get you ready for the next one and then you go off and watch yeah. the next episode some other time. I find yeah. that if you split a movie in the middle... I never have the like wherewithal to start it again because mm. you just kind of like are cut off midstream and then mm-hmm. eh, lose mm-hmm. it. You gotta get to the the right moment, I guess. You know where there's a little bit of a heightened suspense. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like that. Oh, go for it. Yeah, my yeah my version. I, I'm not the purist that you uh, hold me to. Uh, at this uh-huh. point, when I watch these movies, I. I'm working off of a uh, borrowed desk right now, and this borrowed desk is like four times larger than the workspace that I normally have. Nice. So I literally have five screens in front of me right now. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I got to my work laptop. I got my pod laptop. I got two monitors, and then I have a Nintendo Switch over here. And so, nice. so yeah, Damn. so I'll, I'll do the movie in one sitting, but I'm. For sure, doing other stuff. When I work, I get criticized for having too many screens in front of me by my roommate. Mm. Uh, she comes in. I, I have a giant TV that I have hooked up to my computer and I use as my work computer. And I'm about, I'd say, f- good four feet from it. So it's like a good frame for my eyes. Mm-hmm. But then I have my laptop on the left of me where I do emailing and shit. I have my phone, obviously, on uh, 
on the left of me here too. And then I usually have an iPad in which I have like the notes for work because like I have like a lot of times PDFs of notes come in with like scribbles over drawings that I've done. And so I'll actually methodically move through those on the iPad and like scratch out the notes to make sure I've done them. That's so wild to me. That's like the a multi-device, multi-screen situation. Yeah, it is. That's pretty intense. Everything's moving back and forth on Dropbox and shit like that too. I'm I'm all about the the modern world. Hey, hey, it's like that uh, iPad commercial where the kids like, "What's a computer?" Right. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm working. Not during this, um, uh, the plague year, but usually I have uh, a ton of screens on my Windows, on my like PC. But it's and one device, yeah. It's one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm minority reporting shit all over. Like, <laughs> things are moving. <laughs> it's good. I feel like it's probably the way to do it, but I just don't have the like technical wherewithal to make that happen. Daryl, yeah. what in this movie did you like or not like on this round? I want to I wanna talk fast. I want to talk furious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I touched on this before, but I think one of the most classic and underappreciated car stunts is mm. the drive off the cliff. And I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I think like it's... It's one of the one of the simplest stunts that you see in these movies, and like one of the most accessible ones to that makes appearances in other action movies. But uh-huh. really, it's the cornerstone of vehicular sort of entertainment. Like, and and I don't have, I basically don't have anything to base this off of. But if I think right. about the origin of action movies, it's like you had shooting movies, then you probably had ones with horses, uh-huh. and then. I I feel like those first action movie guys tried to throw or try to destroy a car. And I think the realism of sort of like fast driving plus fall into a ravine is like one of the core of Yeah, like the tenets of car uh, you know, car ra- chasing stunt work. I mean, I find that like perhaps um Fast and Furious 4 is a seminal work in the car chase canon, right? Um, that I think you're right about that opening scene. So good. With the oil truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very remnant. People point to the train in 5 as sort of like a, a shift in stunt work uh, for, these, for this series. But really, like, the train in 5 is a heightened copy of this oil truck in the DR Mm -hmm. uh, in four. And, um, you know, I guess like, I don't, I'm not versed on the history of like car of cinema car. Maybe we should get versed a little bit (laughs) in terms of the history of like, you know, like French connection. I know that the French connection is like the moment that like the first sort of car. They invented driving on steps. Right, and then I think, mm. then I think Dirty Harry invented losing your cup hubcap. That's it. And then, <laughs> those are both big moments. I know French Connection also invented like the two guys walking with the pane of glass on the street oh. and the car like smashing through it. I believe. I mean, somebody on the <laughs> listening to this pod is going to be like, I feel like no. the, the scene, the scene where Blues Brothers drive through the mall, 
Mm, that's, that's a good a one. one. That's a good one. Pre preceded like um, the Batman driving through the mall, yeah. also. So one li- one little gripe with the trailers. Uh, I was I was uh, talking to a guy earlier today, and he was really pissed that the trailers were on fire, but not exploding. Really. Um, would really they explode? Like, would the oil or whatever's in them like pressurize enough to explode? I'm not a uh, a hydrocarbon engineer, but a, according to CinemaSins, it should have exploded earlier. Mm. All right. I don't think CinemaSins is an authority <laughs> on this. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, I don't think CinemaSins sort of respect this dude for making a career out of like shitting on movies, but also I fuck him. I want to hear about the cursing, the extramarital sex, the blasphemy. <laughs> I don't think if a tanker explodes is his purview. <laughs> I want to know. I want to hear about their their sort of gluttonous rage. I want to hear about their like wrathful pride. If we're talking sins, you know, they're stealing. Um. Well, I we Daryl, you and I have talked the past couple episodes about. Dom specifically, right? Like, obviously, we spent the past past fifteen cycles talking about Dom's transition from this like br- bright-eyed, beautiful young boy into Dom. You know, like this. What people basically make fun of this sort of monosyllabic character, caricature of himself. But um, and we looked to four as sort of maybe like because four was the really the first time that Dom came back into the picture, and we looked to four as like is there a glint in his eye that's still reminiscent of the first picture in this series? Hmm. And um, what did you did you sort of think of or catch anything in your in your viewpoint? Hmm. I'm not sure. I think, yeah. yeah, I think in this one, I was a little bit, uh, yeah, I think I was a little bit more focused on Brian and mm-hmm. his journey here. Mm-hmm. His, this is really the last movie where he is a cop. And when we think about what leads him to right. break bad, is it that he really, like, is part of the brotherhood and, like, really values fast cars over all things? Or does he feel let down by the justice system? Did he really I, think that he that Dom deserved clemency for his good deeds? I was just when I like turned on the movie, it like blindsided. Obviously, I've seen it before, but it blindsided me. Like, oh my god, Paul's still like a real cop in this. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a surprise. Yeah, he does this thing, Daryl. To touch on your question, do you, does Brian actually feel like Dom deserves clemency? The the evidence I have that points to yes is that Paul Walker, in his infinite acting ability, does this thing when he um, does uh, serious acting, right? Like, he has this jovial, like, we're having fun in cars kind of acting. But he also has this, like, I'm being serious face. Salt and sea. And um, it's all about looking to the side, okay? This is like a Paul Walker... <laughs> exclusive school of acting <laughs> Paul Walker school of acting exclusive it's all about like looking to the side for a moment before answering the question so Mia and him in the diner like he does a lot of like Mia asks him a question like you know all of a sudden you care and he's like 
I don't know. Right? Like he does this like look to the side and then answers the question. And so to speak to your point, in the end scene, when the judge is saying like, um, we commend Dominic Toretto for his helping capture the notorious criminal Arturo Braga. <laughs> but then it, the judge is like, however, this judiciary finds, and when the judge says that, it cuts to a shot of Brian and Mia sitting together, and Brian like, looks to the side, <laughs> like super looks to the side. <laughs> and it's like definitely... Paul Walker is like, my character really wants wanted the clemency, and it's uh, not happening, and I'm disappointed, and I'm, this is my acting face to do that. So that's my evidence sort of pointing towards, yes, Brian wanted, you know, at least in terms of, like, the movie and Paul Walker's choices, Brian wanted Dom to actually sort of gain this clemency. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I mean I agree with that. I think he mm-hmm. I think he really really wanted it, and he was really really let down. And I think Frank, this goes back. Yeah, this goes back all uh, the way to movie one, where he wasn't really sure in original mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious that Dom mm-hmm. was a bad guy, and I think he still holds that with him. And I think that's. I mean, we know he likes to race cars, but yeah. he's able to do that in this movie at least, and like work for the feds and still be somewhat satisfied, but. Yeah. It's really that sort of letdown of the judicial system that sends them yeah, that sends them that sends them on this five movie arc, basically, mm-hmm. right? Of like, if they had just done the right thing, that would have been the end of the whole series. Maybe. Here's an argument against that. Letty's still dead. Mm. Good point. And I know he wouldn't have met Hobbs in five that would let off to Hobbs asking him for help in six. But if Letty is still dead and Letty still took the same path that she does in terms of showing up in uh, Shaw's, Owen Shaw's crew, there's potential that Dom still would have found out and tried to rescue her following that sort of sequence of events from six to seven to eight to nine, or, you know, theoretically to nine. So really it's about Paul, Brian not putting Letty into Braga's crew, basically, I think is the, mm. is the initial, you know, let Dom live in Mexico, let Letty live out her life in L.A., let um, Mia, you know, do her thing, and uh, Brian can just have a storied career in the FBI, you know, with like uh, one crazy story about that time he broke up a VCR stealing ring, right, and let a criminal go, basically. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to do shoutouts? Are you cool with that, Daryl? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have a little segment on this pod. What do we do? I don't even know anymore. We just talk about products that we're using. At one point, this pod, I believe transition to only shout outs and then immediately back because that got boring as hell that was so tough but shout outs is a good segment that we well it's not a good segment but it's it's a nice uh, little break up from talking about these movies so uh max do you want to go f- first i can go Are first you prepared yeah 
No, I, I'm not prepared. I'm just thinking about um, I'm preparing right now, and it's hammocks. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to hammocks. I, I recently bought a camping hammock for uh-huh. some camping I'm about to do. And I've really – you think about camping, what sucks, what doesn't suck. Doesn't suck, you're outside, you're cooking, you're whatever. Um, what does suck is the sleeping mm-hmm. and the bugs. Now, yes. a hammock – a hammock basically makes the sleeping turn into just a weird position to be in instead of on the floor. You're kind of crooked in a It's not perfect, but it's better than on the floor. And these new camping hammocks have an integrated mosquito net. So you oh, are in you're in you a are, cocoon. You're in a cocoon. It's pretty incredible. Hmm. Uh, I, I have to give them a shout out. They're way smaller than tents are easier yeah. to set up than tents. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed. I, I would like the uh, listeners to call in or chime in in whatever ways they'll explain at the end of the episode with if you have any misguided ideas of why tents are better than hammocks. Um, I'd like to appear and refute them. But All right. Well, that, we'll open the lines to your email. And you can handle those inquiries. Forward them right to me. I'll, I'll respond personally. It does not need to be on the pod. All right. Um, well, shout out to hammocks. Daryl, do you have extensive hammock experience? I have very little hammock experience. And mm-hmm. the experience that I have, I strongly you're not, dislike. Yeah, I feel not. like I, the, the classic yeah. rope hammock just is terrible. feels terrible. No, no, no. Feels that's not terrible. Gio, Am I an 18th century sailor? Yeah. <laughs> I used to work the line. Well, speaking of that, I used to work the lines at a theater, right? Uh, and when you, when you, um, you know, when you're on the fly crew, there's three. There's there's basically three tiers. So the main, but the main two are are the deck tier where you're on the deck calling out what needs to be loaded. And you're on the, or you're on the, the load rail where you're actually up at the top of the theater, like loading weight onto these fly lines, right? And that's done by like loading specifically shaped pieces of iron onto the lines. And the people on the deck tell you how many pieces of iron to load on. For the lay people, when you're talking about fly team, you're talking about Peter Panning people. Uh, not people, but scenery. Lo- oh, scenery okay. Okay. that flies in and out from above, right? So either a gotcha. curtain that comes up and down or a big piece of scenery that comes up and down. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, and the scenery, the weight of the scenery on the line has to match the weight on the side of the stage where the other side of the fly system is, right? So that those things, the person pulling the rope isn't pulling... You know, two thousand pounds of scenery. <laughs> they can actually like move the rope because it's counterbalanced, right? So you have to actually load a specific weight onto the line to counter counterbalance. And there's lots of math that goes into that. But a lot of time during loading, you're not doing, you're not flying scenery, right? So uh, or like dealing with the fly lines because the scenery has to be loaded in, assembled, and then flown if it is flown. Okay. So if you're on the load rail, it's the best job because you have a ton of downtime, right? And so like there's two, maybe there's two of you up there. Maybe there's three if like they have too many people or whatever. 
Um, and so literally like one of you is like loading the line at a time. And you usually, I w we would split it up where lines 1 through 16 are mine and 1 16 through 32 or this other person's. But we'd bring a hammock, a little camping hammock. And you just rig the camping hammock over the fucking load rail and take a nap because you're going to be up there for maybe, you know, all day, 10 hours, and you're going to work half an hour of lo actually loading shit on uh, Sounds in those 10 hours. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It's a great job. It's a great job. It's like floating in, like, Willy Wonka's factory or something. Basically, you're, like, 100 feet above a stage... And you just rig, you know, you just rig a hammock up and you take a nap, smoke cigarettes, you know, whatever. It's great. So you're basically, uh, you live the life of, what was it? Um, a bat. Jordana Brewster <laughs> in that spy movie. Yes. What did we watch? Yes. Uh, it's called, called Debs, D-E-B-S, <laughs> which I don't quite remember what Debs stands for, but... They do have a moment where they're sort of rigged up on these chairs. Um, we were on a platform, you know, usually on a platform, like a built uh, metal uh, platform and the, that had the load lines right next to it. But anyway, so I do, I did enjoy the hammock naps up on the, uh, up on the load rail, but uh, otherwise fuck hammocks for sure. For sure. For sure. You'll be getting an email from me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out this week. I have a weird one. A niche. This is going to be real niche. I've recently become... My YouTube algorithm throws some shit my way. And most of it I'm not into. But I really clicked on something the past week that I can't stop like looking into. There is a small but very... Um, uh, very robust community of people who speed run GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64. All right, so oh. these folks try to complete levels on this video, this like 20-year-old video game, as fast as humanly possible. Um, and it's like, it's like, I've never done it. I played GoldenEye a little bit when I was a kid. I'm not interested in picking it up now. But, like, the shit they talk about is so <laughs> intricate and, like, weird. And I, like, never... Like, I've been watching these videos all fucking week. There's this dude named Carl Jobst, I think. is He's, like, a Swedish-Australian dude. And um, he, like, lays it out. He did this, like... He has those record for, like, the, the first level of GoldenEye and the easiest difficulty he did in, like, 52 seconds, which was, like, a unchallenged world record what yeah wild and so it's glitching he doesn't glitch it well some are glitched but like this one is not glitched he did a i gotta 56 minute video breaking down the 52 seconds of his running through this oh, level God, i watched the amazing. entire fucking thing it is insane it's like and literally the the record was 53 seconds forever and, like, it, there was a years-long process of trying to shave a second off it because the records work in full seconds. The three-minute mile. 
It is. It was like the three minute mile, and he talks about like if a guard shoots you in the back, it actually gives you like a, a the damage actually gives you a boost, <laughs> and it's like point two three seconds off of the thing, and then you're in this tunnel, and then at a certain point you have to like look up in a specific direction to load a guard a hundred yards down the level who what? will start walking through this gate that needs to be open when you like hit. It is fucking crazy. <laughs> It's fucking crazy. And like these dudes, I don't know why I'm into this. I'm I'm extremely, extremely into it, basically. Uh yeah, so I'd give a shout out specifically to this dude Carl Jobs. You guys J-O-B-S-T, should tweet out the link today. I think. Uh but yeah, I'm into it for sure. I can't stop watching these videos. I've never I haven't picked up an N sixty four or an emulator at any point this week or tried anything to do with it, but the like level of thinking about how to do these speed runs. It doesn't even look like because like they do this thing called look down, where because these the the speed of your character is based on the frame rate, looking down at the ground makes it so that the like it, it doesn't have to process as much information and polygons. So literally these runs are done with like the character just like staring at the ground and like the pavement. <laughs> All the whole video is just like pavement rolling underneath, and they're making these <laughs> turns and shit. It is crazy, yo. Uh, yeah, I'm into it. I would highly suggest it. Basically, I'll... if you dive deep into week. any bad or not bad, this is not. I obviously we all love Goldeneye, but if you dive yeah. deep enough, deep enough into any like esoteric yeah. hobby, yeah, it gets real weird at the end of that time. Yeah, it really does, and it it is incredible, basically. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I'd highly suggest looking some shit up. Daryl, what do you want to shout out to this week? Mine's a weird one. Um, mm-hmm. It's an anti-shout-out for sure, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the anti-shout-out is for lawnmowers or for frogs. But I've had a very weird... I've had a couple of really weird days because apparently when you combine lawnmowers and frogs, you get... Shredded frog carcasses all over the place. <laughs> oh my God. It's so <laughs> disgusting. That plus a little bit of like rain and then some intense heat. And I got this puppy dog that's just running around all over the place, munching up these Ooh. frog carcasses <laughs> and then puking all oh. over the place. <laughs> oh my God. Brutal. And then she'll run back when you're not looking and try to eat the puke that has the carcasses oh, in it. Goodness. It's so disgusting. Oh, oh my goodness. That is so brutal. I so Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. So that's the anti-shout out. Yeah. So for lawnmowers and frogs. And like the combination therein. Yeah. I Lawnmowers w- are great. Frogs are great. At it's, first, it's, I was gonna it's just like when they meet. I was gonna point out though, like even if a lawnmower meets frog, sort of a boy meets world type situation, like the would my thought was like, would the would the mulched guts and bones of the frog actually maybe help your garden a little bit? As sort of, I feel like it would. Like a, a I feel fertilizer. Like that would. I feel it would. Yeah, I feel like it would. But the dog, you got a problem with that dog. <laughs> I, I don't know how you even go about solving that maybe spray your lawn with like bitter lemon 
uh-huh. spray that the dog I mean, doesn't want to eat. Frogs have that shit built in. Yeah, they have like, <laughs> they have like poison. Are the are they poisonous? Have you researched this at all? Are they poisonous to dogs? I don't think they're poisonous, mm-hmm. but really the solution I've found is I have to go and pick up frog carcasses so they don't get eaten. Oh, man. <laughs> so there's like that many frogs in your grass? There's, there's not that many. There's like a, a couple, but yeah. when they like take one one small frog, like the frog is only maybe the size of your fingers only. It's one of those things, but it gets pretty big. It it gets chopped up and it's like six pieces. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is so horrible. (laughs) I can't even like imagine. There's no way to solve this problem unless you solve like. Dude, you you need someone to walk in front of the lawnmower. (laughs) Like a minesweeper to get the frogs out of the way. Oh, that's an idea. Maybe or just like hook up some sort of like wheel in front of the lawnmower mm. that made them jump out of the way. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. This is now relevant to a YouTube poll I've fallen into recently as well. Mm-hmm. There are all these British guys who have meticulous meticulously made YouTube videos about every single aspect of World War One. And there are oh. all these Are you talking about the Great War channel? No, the Great War oh. Channel is like a legitimate operation. Yeah, I, they all aspire to be the Great War Channel. Right, 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 right. But there's all these dudes, and they like find some like Wikipedia pictures of like some uh, like 1914 half-ass French tank, and then they like cinema sins the hell out of it, <laughs> being like, you. Obviously, you had never heard of a tank when you were building this, but this is all the reasons it's not a tank. They had shit back then that had chains on a bar, like 60 lines of chain in front front. of the tank, and it would spin and just hit the ground with the chains. To blow up the mines. blow up mines. Yeah. This, maybe with some string or something, would entice right. the frogs to jump away. <laughs> tickle right. them. They'll tickle them away. <laughs> Max, send Daryl a picture of the chain device, and maybe we can get that going for him yeah, on the frog situation. Um, Daryl, what else do you want to talk about on this uh, fine feature film that we watched today? Yeah, I've only got one other thing to say about this movie. <clears throat> yeah. We're... We've been in the past extremely critical of the final scene, um, yeah, the final the chase scene yeah. Yeah, through the poop tunnel. Um, and I was thinking about it in this watch, and really, the entire final scene, it starts at the, um, at the church, and they have that whole outdoor um, chase mm-hmm. scene where they have the buggies and the old cars, and there's a lot of shooting. It's very dynamic. Yeah, but that whole the whole end scene should have been outdoors. Totally, and like if they yeah say they didn't use the tunnel and you could you could have done something cool just choose a different like non mountain area like build some big ramps jump over yeah. some gates and some walls yeah. and like attract the attention of the U S side and I think especially since we watched this one backwards and we're coming from like. Yeah, premiere right uh, visual effects, and yeah. we're going sort of backwards in time. That was what gave me the idea. They just didn't have the like, capability to deal with it at this moment. So, right. um, 
I mean that that's hard. I think I think that's interesting because then you can get the cops involved. Like, say the tunnel doesn't work the second time, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to spend two sequences inside this horrible-looking tunnel. Say the second time the tunnel's blocked off for some reason. Like maybe like maybe Braga has like a fail-safe explosive that blows up the entrance to the tunnel. They got to find a way around. Then border cops are involved. So then you have like these layers of law enforcement shit. So you got like bad guy Braga, then Mm -hmm. like Dom and Brian, then the FBI, but then like customs and border control trying to fuck around. Helicopters everywhere. Layers and fun and like cars jumping all over the place. And then you can smash up some more cop cars and nobody gives a shit because the border Mm -hmm. control are fucking racist crooks. (laughs) So. You know, like that's that would be a fun solution. I'm with you on that, buddy. Mm-hmm. One thing I do like about this sort of sequence of events is how it's paced. Like, this movie is an hour forty-five. It feels great. It like moves at the at the one hour thing. I notice on this watch through is like at the one hour mark, we're we're not even like they're like we're going on the first run. Through the tunnel, right? Mm -hmm. At the one hour mark, they're like, get ready. We're going on the run. And then they go for 10 minutes from before the run. 10 minutes later, they're meeting with Braga. The like Mm -hmm. sort of blow up meeting that doesn't go very well. It's just like, we're moving through this. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, here's the thing. Bing, bong, boom, bam, bop. It is ready to run. It rips. It rips. It rips through it. And I'm, it's, it. It's so much better than spending another 40 minutes on bullshit, which is what Mm -hmm. the next movies do. On big, spinning, wide-angle conversations. Yes, that is it. (laughs) That is fucking it. That 40 minutes isn't any more like... Obviously, the stunt sequences are better and more dynamic in the next couple movies, right? But... The same amount, really, basically, of stunt sequences happen, right? They have, like, an opener, a big middle, and a big end, right? That's basically Mm -hmm. what happens in all the movies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's some little race sequences, like in six, right? So, but but basically, the extra, the pad-out 40 minutes that we get is, like, conversations. That, Mm -hmm. in six, that entire scene where, like... Dom races Letty, and then they spend literally 15 minutes of Dom reminiscing with Letty, the camera spinning around them. Letty leaves. Owen Shaw shows up. The camera spins around Owen Shaw and Dom while they have a fucking conversation. And then, like, and then the Hobbs rock, comes down. Then Hobbs comes <laughs> in. And then they fucking spin around Dom and Hobbs. It's like, guys... Let's go. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Not only that, but the camera spins around them while they're in like the most annoyingly boring environment in the entire movie, right? It's like a black, dark parking lot, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I, 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 yeah, I, it's brutal. It's brutal. Brutal. Uh, I'm glad this movie rips through it and it's not an extra 40 minutes because it would be. It would be really annoying if it was. Are the five through later movies mm-hmm. that much longer? I can't remember. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Like half hour. Yeah. They're all at least. Yeah. They're all like half an hour. They're all like. I definitely 10, know. I, I know what you're talking about where they kind of drag and they do like the like 
it's very wrestling actually the very impactful conversation where you're meant to like revel in the like seriousness of it you know it's funny you mention wrestling because the difference between this movie and the next couple (laughs) is a big fat wrestling star Mm -hmm. that is an interesting theory because I, 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 when I was watching this, I was thinking about, like, what is the movie that starts the, like, the, the golden age of Fast and Fear? Is it this one or is it the next one? And I had always thought it had been five. Mm-hmm. But, but now watching this this time, I was like, no, this is actually, like, we're reset after three. And, yeah. and here we go. Like, let's turn yeah. this shit on and, and get moving. Yeah, totally. Um, I, you know, and I felt that, like, D- Daryl, we talked earlier in the past couple of weeks about finding some sort of spark in Dom's eye still. And to me, the thing that s- speaks to Max's point is that, like, it's not there. Like, he has completely dropped the sort of vivality of his or of of Dom Toretto from the Fast and the Furious one, and he's Groot by just now. before before day one shooting on this film, he was like, "I'm just doing this thing, right? I'm just doing this narrow ass monotone. I'm above all this. I'm the coolest motherfucker in the room. Um, um, you know, I am the best." car dude in history like ice cold shit right and brian has become this sort of like (laughs) like nervous panty trying to get there dude but to dom like in the first one dom had friends and like yeah it's sort of hard he like just like he bounced off other people in a way he just doesn't in this one, right? Mm-hmm. In this one, he took his attitude towards Brian in one, which is that, like, Brian's a buster, and put it towards everybody. So, in this movie, like, to Dom, in Dom's worldview, everybody's a buster. Mm. You know what I mean? Everybody's a buster. Phoenix is a buster. Braga, mm-hmm. buster. FBI, buster. Brian, still a buster. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like... He He's just slanderized. Like, yeah, just like sort of punched that attitude through the screen uh, from the get-go, I think, basically. When did Guardians 1 come out? Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. I would say 2014 or 15. Oh, 15 so much maybe? after this. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah, this was 2009. Okay. So... Yeah. He hasn't like started the, the carbonizing transformation into a tree. This, but this <laughs> is the start. That's what of I'm kind the of the Vin yeah. Diesel movie experience. Mm-hmm. When did Chronicles of Riddick come out? A movie we should certainly watch on this podcast. You guys haven't done that? I would assume no. that would have been part of your. It's, it's a so great good. movie. It's so good. Yeah, I don't think either of the other two movies in that series, uh, either Pitch Black or the third one, which is Riddick. I think it's just called Riddick. Called. Yeah, yeah, Riddick. Pitch Black, uh, I thought is was very good. good. But I think Chronicles are. I actually, I have 
I think Chronicles of Riddick is a really great movie. <laughs> I have a very soft spot. It's in my incredible. Heart for it. So he Chronicles thought it was going to be his Star Wars. He, the thing wow. about Vin Diesel is he still thinks it's going to be his Star Wars, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he still feels that way about Riddick. Mm-hmm. He's he's like, yeah, the movie is equal to or greater than Star Wars. It is a fully realized universe. Like there is completely, completely. Um, so yeah, Chronicles of Riddick was two thousand four. I think that's the first inkling of Vin as sort of this ice cold thing. But he's still got heart in that movie, you know. No, he had heart in Riddick, but the fact that Riddick didn't take off. Yeah. Was that the beginning of his cold heart? I don't know. I think it's really this movie that like crystallized him into being like he just again before the cameras ro- rolled on this picture he was like I'm just ice Fuck cold. This. Fuck this. I'm ice cold. I'm the coolest motherfucker in the world. Biggest backfire later. of all time. They had to bring in the rock for some fire. Damn. Yeah, for some like, levity, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um That's it for me from this side of the world. You guys got anything else? I legitimately enjoy the movie. Good. I'm glad to hear it. These movies Absolutely. are legitimately enjoyable good. when you watch them yeah. once in a while. You know? Absolutely. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us once in a while, you can tweet at us at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast. Been a little quieter on Twitter just to sort of like, you know, I don't need to like insert our podcast into the conversation on Twitter a lot of times, but I'll, you know, I'll, we'll tweet, we'll get in it. Um, uh, if you want to email us, uh, no one likes the tuna podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. No one likes the tuna podcast. What else? Fucking serious. Except no, <laughs> uh, what's the, what's it called? Spotify. Spotify. We're on Spotify. You can find our feed on Spotify. And uh, if you always, always, always beautiful, if you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, it's super helpful for the pod. Subscribe to the Patreon. Oh, fucking patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast. Throw us a buck right there. Max, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, USS Catfish, the TV show, will be a Twitch channel that will be starting up soon. Mm-hmm. And we'll be reviewing World War One tanks and things like that. That sounds awesome. Check it out, Daryl. That's a wrap. Sayonara. Sayonara.